guys. Welcome back to another episode of Just Three Brothers Podcast. Uh, today I have Catlin and Carter with me. Um, this Dallas, as you know, um, you can follow me on Twitch at Hulkbusters88 and YouTube is the same. Um, today we're going to be talking about another Nintendo special franchise to us, and that is Zelda. Um, all the way from the original Orcarina of Time, all the way to the Breath of the Wild. And this is super fun for us. We love Link, we love Zelda, and we've loved what Nintendo has been able to do with this character. So we're just going to jump right into it. Let's get it. I think we can go even earlier than Ocarina of Time. I think there's a lot of really heavy hitters from the Super Nintendo. Um, and even as early as the NES, I think that these are great games. Um, they were so different from any kind of other fantasy uh, game at the time, for sure. Um, Zelda and Link and just the world of Hyrule was so different, so different than anything we were able to... Uh, to really witness at that time. And something that really stood out for me, especially when it got me hooked in the earlier ones is just how large the inventory was and how many different ways you could approach the game. The first game in uh, the Zelda series was, uh, you know, that much wasn't even really that explained. You didn't even really know who your character was. You kind of were just, it was open world and you were thrown right into it. Um, it didn't really hold your hand. It was kind of as far as finding some of the secrets as well was really difficult. Um, but I think that in the, even in the rudimentary st stages, I think that these games were really good and they just kept getting better and better as time went on. I'm not going to lie. Zelda is one of my favorite games that has ever literally been in existence. Um, I think uh, I think it was uh, uh, Link's, A Link to the Past or was it Link's Awakening? I don't know which one was first, but I, I liked I liked the over the top style of that game. Um, they even recently brought it back for the Nintendo Switch. Um, I think that was Link's Awakening that they that they revamped, and it was just well done. It was it was fun. It wasn't clunky. Um, and you the the thing I liked about that game is like you you had a set way to go, but you could also go off and kind of do your own thing with to an extent. And I think it's always fun to be able to kind of play at your own style and play at your own pace and kind of do what you want in the game. If you wanted to just go slice grass and just farm, you know, 999 rupees like I did when I was a kid, then that's what you do, right? So I just think there's lots of avenues for, for a lot of fun in those type of games. And obviously the invent inventory being so large in those the older games is wonderful. Yeah, so I never was too crazy invested into the first two Zelda games. I know you had the original one on the NES where you're kind of just dropped into this world. You find some old guy in a cave and he tells you it's dangerous to go alone, take this. And then you're kind of just kind of just thrown into this world uh, where you're killing little things that shoot pebbles at you and things like that. And then you have the second game where it completely took a different turn. I think they were still kind of figure out, you know, find their stride with what they wanted to do with the Zelda franchise, where that one was kind of more of a 2D kind of Castlevania type game. It was the only one of its kind, actually. I don't think uh, Zelda has ever done another 2D scroller. And um, it was surprisingly good. Um, I think that uh, how, how you mentioned before Castlevania, those are some of my favorite games of all time. Um, but it didn't really hit the mark for me. I know that the second one definitely has its uh, fan base for sure. Um, but I think Castlevania did that kind of, uh, you know, routing through castles and that sort of thing in a 2D scrolling environment a lot better than uh, the second Zelda. But it was really nice to see they come back to their grassroots with the top down uh, Zelda one with when he had purple hair. I really like that one as well. 
Oh, that was Link to the Past, I believe. Link to the Past, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Again, I I haven't played that game much either. It was once it kind of made the transition to the 3D games is when I started really getting into the series with Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, which uh, are some of arguably some would say that Ocarina of Time is the best game of of, of all time. I know there's plenty of people who have that opinion and it's not hard to see why you know it's one of the best linear story games of all time you know you have link he starts off in the forest and eventually progresses to become a, an adult with white pants and then you know he's taken on ganon and i just love the story in that game and even majora's mask was just so different they had such a you know we talked about in the last episode how nintendo never really had has these time crunch kind of scenarios but even when they do which majora's mask they had a certain amount of time to do that game just before the n64 you know before the gamecube came out they needed to release some games on nintendo 64 and majora's mask was one of the final games to be released on that console and i think even with a a strict time crunch they were able to do such a good job with that game even though you know there may not have been as many locations or dungeons or things like that but just the 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 fact that they were able to make such an amazing game in such a short amount of time was really was really a testament to just how incredible nintendo is I think that their time cycle for Majora's Mask was eight months. And when you think about that, that's actually kind of daunting because it's not an unfinished game by any means. Um, I would I would argue that, you know, despite there being half the amount of temples, the temples that were in this one were incredible. Um, I personally believe, and again, this is one of the biggest uh, Zelda debates of all time, is which is better, Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. I personally like Majora's Mask better. Um, I just love all the mass you can get. There's so much melancholy emotion to it too. You know, when the Zora is dying on the beach and you take his guitar uh, using the mask. And there was a lot of really sad kind of elements in that. And it was very just daunting the whole time uh, you're playing the game that the moon is, uh, you know, obviously going to crash into the planet. So I always thought that it was very just kind of uh, brushed with doom. That it was really doom impending that game felt. It was a really darker kind of approach at Zelda. And uh, I don't think that they really came back to a dark approach like that in Zelda. Um, I know Twilight Princess had a lot of dark elements, but... They didn't, um, do it, they didn't do it right in Twilight Princess, in my opinion. They just didn't capture the same, the same energy that Majora's Mask had. I feel like with... Uh, twilight princess i think that the they were on the mark as far as what the game was but it definitely wasn't as dark it felt gritty for sure um and it was definitely i mean at the time especially i think that it was one of the coolest looking links that he was really really well done Mm -hmm. um but the thing that i really like about majora's mask is just that uh you know it was such a you know such a a great environment you know you're in the clock town and every little area and the people have so much character and then all of a sudden you go out into the the open world outside um a lot of the quests were really interesting and it's it has my favorite villain of all time and some could even argue that it's not really a villain but i mean skull kid donning the majora's mask is just the look of him just how he was almost like this jester he's always kind of taunting link you know, when he's on top of the clock tower and when he's on the moon and that sort of thing. I think that they took a lot of really interesting approaches with that game. And I think that they uh, were able to execute it perfectly. Um, and then obviously the the shining gem of that game is once you're able to 
beat the game in the secret alternative way by turning in all the masks and doing the uh, special dungeons, you're rewarded with the Fierce Deity's mask. And I think that Fierce Deity Link is probably one of the coolest character designs I've ever seen. I mean, he's got the iconic sword that kind of crisscrosses into itself. Um, he looks amazing. And uh, it just was just so mind-blowing, especially when I was a kid. I just thought that was an incredible uh, route to take it. But, you know, obviously, I think people can debate it to the end of time. Ocarina of Time was a banger. Everyone knows this. It's an incredible game. Um, that's the, the first time we really got a good look. And I'm going to say a good look at Ganondorf, not this pig Ganondorf, which I've never really been a fan of the, the pig Ganondorf from the past, even though he had a little bit of charm and character. Um, I really liked how they made him this, uh, this dark wizard from the Gerudo Valley. You know, the idea that there's a male born every so often, and this male was just nasty he, he got down to brass tacks with his dark magic and he actually had one of the pieces of the triforce which was very very cool how they did that yeah, um, some of the some of the aspects of majora's mask were just borderline terrifying honestly you know you have the the small link statue with the creepy face that follows you around oh yeah you know, bend around made, baby yeah they made creepy pastas out of that and as well just uh you know the aspect of just each day the music starts to speed up and get a little bit more scary and and uh even the 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 little zo the zombie guy that comes out of that one town that i remember as a kid playing that part i was terrified of that particular aspect when that zombie comes out of the closet or whatever oh, the dad yeah that's freaked me the fuck out when i was a kid so some of the aspects of that game were just borderline just terrifying and i think they really nailed that um, the vendor, I think he was the creepiest guy, the actual guy who sold the, sold the, the mask salesman. Yeah. For something, something about that guy. Like I always wondered, like, there's gotta be more to this character. And after beating the game and everything and completely wrapping it, you find out there's not much more with that character, but I just always felt like there was, I've always felt like that guy was conniving and there was something, something up with that sneaky guy, but I'm going to bring it back to Orcarina time just because honestly, for at that time in, in my life, that was up until that point, my favorite game. Um, hundred percent. I love how, like Carter said, you start out with nothing, literally nothing. You literally just have your little tunic and you are walking around going through logs in the, in the, uh, Carico forest. And then you get your wooden shield. And then a little while later that you get your first wooden sword. And then you just progress through the game. You get different tunics, you get, um, different items that help you you get the little bombs and then and then all of a sudden the hook after shot, the, the hook iron shot. boots different boots come on we're new boot goofing now boys you get the iron oh, yeah. boots you get the float boots i mean those boots i mean that's one thing that i always loved i love the idea of putting on the you know the air jordans and floating around in the shadow <laughs> temple i love that i think that that was such a such a cool take you know taking that inventory from you know the top down ones and then just really super expanding on them to the point where it's like wow he looks so cool in the red tunic when you're doing the uh the goron parts and you're doing the blue tunic with the zora parts i think that when it comes to zelda games i mean obviously there's new ones that have come out over the years but the two juggernauts that stand out in my mind is majora's mask and ocarina of time and that's what that's exactly what i'm saying is the fact that it's just it's such a well done game like i love how you do the first three temples that aren't even really temples they are but they aren't to get the pieces and then you all of a sudden you put your uh 
you put your sword in the thing and then grab the master sword from the church. And then all of a sudden you come out adult link with rocking your white pants. You know what I mean? And then, and then you get like a better hook shot and you get better bombs and then you get your, you still have your, your different tunics and stuff and like that. And a bigger wallet. Cause you're an adult. Yeah. The adult wallet. Yeah. There's just so much of that game. And also the Bagoron sword. We can't not talk about the Bagoron sword. Like, yeah, the, the sword that breaks eventually does the most damage in the game out of any weapon, but it breaks. And which is one thing I kind of didn't like, not to switch topics so fast, but uh, Breath of the Wild. I wasn't a huge fan of how every weapon in that game breaks. So that was kind of a bit of a letdown for me in that aspect. But um, the thing is with Orcarina of Time, I just love, I love the Orcarina itself. You know what I mean? Calling Aponia and, you know, like the Sun Song and like there's just so many different, so many different aspects that you can use that for. And I just think they've really fleshed out that game to make it fun for everybody. And obviously it's very, it's a fairly linear game. Like you have to do one thing after another, after another, like you have to do the temples in order and everything like that. But I still love how you can still run around and talk to different people and like interact in all sorts of areas without really, without really changing the basic storyline of the game. And that's one thing I love about Majora's Mask is the fact that you can do anything in any order, basically, as far as the getting the masks go. And I, and I think that was the smartest thing they did with that game is be, if, like collect all the 24 masks or however many there were, and then you unlock the ultimate mask and that's fierce deity. And that like that first time I ever put on that mask after me and my brother, cause we didn't have YouTube back then. So we had to use the game facts and go through and do all of them. And we didn't have the game facts for the first six months the game was out. So I think we were stuck with like eight masks or something like that. So then having to go back in time all every every day, like the last six hours or whatever, you start getting sketched out. Like Carter said, the music gets faster, everything gets faster. So you're like, okay, let's do the song of time and go back to the first day because it's starting to sketch me out, we're running out of time here. And I just think even going to fight Skull Kid when you're not ready to, when you don't have all, all the all the giants yet it's such a cool vibe because like you there's nothing you can do to win no matter what it doesn't matter the only thing that'll save you is that song of time and i just love that aspect of it skull kid was such a well done enemy um i think that that's really a good distinction between the two you know the first uh of the two on the 64 ocarina of time um it had a very linear feel but it wasn't bad you know i don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world when a game is linear especially when executed in that in that perfect way there were a few little side quests you can do definitely that were really cool. Like how you could get the horse at the ranch and uh, you know, you could do the little side quest, but Majora's mask was very non-linear and some of the cool secrets you could do in that, like getting the blue milk that gave you infinite magic or um, getting some of these really obscure masks. And the thing that was really cool about the mass is even the ones that didn't transform you into a Gorn, a, Z a Zora or a Deku, um, were actually pretty cool too. Like I liked how the stone mask when you wore it, um, people just didn't notice you. That was kind of the idea behind that one. Or like the mask that essentially was the lens of truth from the first one where you could see invisible or uh, you know, little secrets in that way too. The one thing that I will say though, that I think is another uh, you know, very good way to describe how dark this game was um, is when you're forced to become the Deku. And uh, just even once you... Uh, have the ability to take the mask off or put them on that cinematic that plays when he's being transformed is just, <gasps> it's just so metal i love that i just love how 
um, you know, you get a lot of flavor with each one of the racial masks for sure. You know, with the Goron, you're this bulky guy who can rip around as the spin ball. And then you're playing your instruments. It's you got the bongos going and then the Zoro, you're shredding. And then of course the Deku, you got the trumpet. So I've always thought that that was so, such a, such a rich difference between all of them. They felt different, you know, um, I just think that Majora's Mask was a, a piece of art, really. I would say that Ocarina of Time is definitely up there too. Um, but they have their strengths and I, it's hard to point out too many weaknesses. I know that, uh, you know, some people might uh, disagree with the idea that it's, these are the best games that have ever been conceived. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm throwing my, my hat in the ring with those people. I think that these uh, games are phenomenal. You know, I, a lot of people try to uh, equate that to the rose tinted glasses and that people are just looking at it with nostalgia goggles, basically. But, you know, I think that if you go back and you give these games a chance, you know, you play them 100% through, you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised how well they stand up. You know, maybe not graphics wise, but again, that goes into the idea that the 64 only had so much capability. But man, these games are slam dunks. That's a thing for me. It's like if I can still go back and get enjoyment out of these games because I'm one of the the people that I literally care about the graphics so much and it literally can make or break a game for me nowadays. But if I can enjoy the vibes and go back to those games and still love it with every fiber of my being, I just can't really see how other people wouldn't. You know, like like I said, there's just so much progression as your character. Like I love how you literally start out with no items. You don't start out with anything, and you're just in this in the in the Kariko forest. And then all of a sudden, you literally have to progress and progress. So then all of a sudden, you have a bunch of items, and different items work in different circumstances, right? And the same could be said with the masks, Majora's mask. Uh, if you don't get the bunny ears, man, you can literally end up spending almost double the time playing that game because you're not able to cruise around as much. Same with getting a ponya. Um, one of the things I remember the most is um, after you get a pony and you go back to the ranch, and I can't remember which mass this is for, but you fight the aliens. Remember on the third day, you have to do everything in, in exact order, and then you come back and you end up trying to fight the, the aliens with the light arrows. I just think it was just such a, I just think it was a very, very well done game. I, I have no complaints with Majora's Mass or Orcarina or Time, especially considering I didn't even know there was an eight month time crunch. Like that's insanity. Like they, they crushed that game. And, I, and as far as I know, it was only the second game to use the expansion pack for n64 that little black cartridge with the red on it it was like a 100 bucks or something like that it was expensive back at the time so it just it just goes to show that nintendo they really flesh out their ideas and they can make games really really good if they take the time to put to release them right and if you're someone like dallas who his dick really gets hard when he sees these good graphics you know you can go back on the 3ds and you can play the updated versions of the game with bug fixes, and uh, it allows you to use the gyro functionality of the 3DS. Uh, yeah, so if you're someone like Dallas, there's those options as well, where the update with the updated graphics. You know, I think that that's such a another important thing too is when you do a remaster. I think remasters can be really phenomenal. You know, I personally love, um, you know, Final Fantasy VII, but to see them come back with this remake. Um, where it looks gorgeous you know very rarely am I uh, a graphics junkie but that's one time where I gotta you know I gotta you know join the bench with Dallas when it comes to graphics I think that Cloud and all the gang look amazing in that I know that uh, some people have uh, criticized the game for you know obviously not being as good as uh, or as you know groundbreaking as the Final Fantasy 7 for the PlayStation 
but I do think that they look incredible. Um, and I think it's uh, really good to see when games are remastered and elevated to that level. Um, the one thing I do know that a lot of people uh, over the course of time have uh, complained about with Majora's Mask is the three day system, which um, at, at surface value, I can see why people don't like that, but I love the three day system. There's so many interesting songs that the Scarecrow teaches you. You can speed time up, you can slow it down. You can go back a single day. You can, you know, there's so many, uh, different ways you can approach it and you need to, too, because for some of these masks, you need to be at a certain place at a certain time. I mean, one of the ones that sticks out in my mind is when you're trying to help that little, uh, blue haired boy with get the sun mask and i was like oh my goodness i can't believe that we're going to be able to get to wear that cool mask but you realize that uh you don't get to wear that mask he uses that to propose to someone um but like i say i i think the three-day system a lot of people critique it and they don't think it's as uh good as the linear system from ocarina of time i would argue i think that the three-day system is perfectly fine especially the way they implement it how you can manipulate it and stuff the only way uh or sorry the only thing that um really affects the passage of time um is when you go back in time you lose all your rupees but there's a way around that you can just put all your rupees in the bank go back in time and they're sitting there waiting for you so all of the negatives about uh, the time travel and the three-day system are actually really really well done and really executed so there's ways around little things like that I just don't know where else they would have went with it. It's a, it's apparent like your first time that you go to the clock tower to fight Skull Kid. You know what I mean? Like, there's no other option. If you couldn't go back to time with the Song of Time, like you'd be you, the, the game would have been over before it started. Like, it was a smart idea to implement something like that, and especially with with the actual like because it's not as linear. You you literally can't really the playability of it that's one thing that makes it special is the fact that you could literally play the song of time over and over again and keep going back and collecting more rupees and and like if you miss something in the game with a linear game if you missed one of those puzzles like talking to the mailman or talking to the little blue-haired boy where you go down and you do the like the the puzzle or whatever and you're like have a time limit and stuff like that if you couldn't go back in time it'd be one and done you you know what i mean you would have had to save it and then hopefully you had a save point at that particular time. Otherwise, you'd literally miss the whole game and then there'd be things you can't get. So as a, from a completionist standpoint, it, the game wouldn't have worked. So moving on to the GameCube, I think that they absolutely smash expectations with Wind Waker. I think that Wind Waker is another one of those uh, top shelf uh, heavy hitters. Um, if ocarina and time and majora's mask are the juggernauts their little juggernaut son is sitting right on the couch with them and that's wind waker i think that it was a phenomenal game i think that the art style was so amazing i love that cell shaded kind of uh cartoony look um i think that this this game was great i love the idea is it felt like uh uh it was very open world and it had a lot of character and the whole aspect of a lot of these towns and, and cities and stuff are out on the open waters and you're ripping around on the the red lion king i i thought that that was such a cool system i love the way you could just traverse with the boat i like how you could even attempt to fight you know ganon's like giant chicken and that sort of stuff right at the start and you're gonna get smoked because you don't have really that much gear but um i think that wind waker was a nice fresh uh way to you know come back on the gamecube with a really really great title i think that wind waker is pretty underappreciated i know that when people think zelda they really are talking about ocarina and majora's mass those are the big boys but i think that the medium-sized boy in there with the you know the nice clothes and looking good too is wind waker 
I love the cartoony style of Wind Waker, and and you know when I when I first heard about it, I wasn't very enthused about it. I was like, ah, eh, this might not be you know as good of a game as I, I as I thought it would be, but I just love the explorability. Like that's one thing that knocks all the rest out of the park. Like um, Majora's Mask and um, Orcarina of Time don't really have anything on the amount of islands that there are and the maps. Like there's like a hundred different little places you can go, and I just Obviously, it's 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 fairly linear as well, but there's so much extra stuff you can do in that game compared to either of the other two. Like comparing comparing that even to Majora's Mask, which is obviously there's a lot more collectibles and extra stuff to do in that game. But um, I really feel like Wind Waker. It was just oh, it was just honestly, I think I've spent more time playing Wind Waker than probably any other Zelda franchise. Um, it's just there's just so many places you could do and and like you get attacked just driving in the water all of a sudden pirates will attack you or you go on this island and there's a little secret cave and it's completely dark and you can't see anything in it but the fight sequences i think the fight sequences in it were really really well done i love the dodging and the jumping and just like it just felt like it was a much more smooth combat system and even on the first island you had the sword master or whatever and you had to get so, that. you had to get so many hits on him without him hitting you three times or whatever and you could get and there was like three different difficulties of it i remember the master difficulty or whatever i think you had to hit him a hundred times without him hitting you once i still never did that like in that i was probably 19 20 years old trying to do it and i just couldn't do it and it's just all the extra stuff like obviously now with with the amount of youtube and stuff i haven't even went back to gamecube and played wind waker for a long time because i was stuck with breath of the wild and uh uh twilight uh zelda twilight or whatever twilight, twilight, princess. twilight princess and i just think that wind waker was very well done i i definitely didn't i never wrapped it I, I beat it but i never wrapped it but i mean there was just so much to that game and I, i'd actually really like to have a little playthrough of that because it was like very very well done and like i said my favorite thing about it was the combat system i just really liked it the thing the only thing that i didn't like is um how you had to basically hide from guys. You know what I mean? They had the same thing in uh, in both Majora's Mask and Orcarina of Time, but I didn't like how you'd like get found by a guy, well, guy with the torch and then he'd kick you off the castle and you have to start all over again. I was like, that that was one of the things and like hide, in, uh, hide under jars and stuff like that. That was one of the things that I wasn't a huge fan of, but I mean, I see why they did that. It made, made, made sense for the game. I think it was really cool to see um, it go from... Uh, the 64 with their very stylized direction to the cartoony side and then come the Wii we have Twilight Princess where now this is a gritty version it looks great you know Link almost has the chainmail going on um, the design was great um, I think that Twilight Princess is a is a is a great game you know a standalone game especially if it wasn't in the franchise of Zelda I think that it'd be a great game um, I do think it falls a little bit short in a lot of aspects some of the equipment just felt, uh, you know, not very, I guess, not very, um, it doesn't give you a lot of uh, different ways of utilizing it. For example, the one Beyblade that could spin up the side of the zipper walls, you really just used it for that. Um, uh, the double grapple hook, you couldn't sling around like Spider-Man, you could, you'd have to wait until the other one connected. So I feel like it missed the mark on a lot of the creativity um, I think that a lot of the different armor sets and tunics look really good. I think that the Zora tunic, the blue one, looked really cool in the way the 
the Zora's heads are really long and the way the armor is like, yeah, that's what their armor would look like. I really liked how they did that stylistically. And then of course you have the magic armor that drains rupees and you're, you take no damage. I thought that that was interesting, but it's also kind of disappointing to see your wallet kind of deplete as you're playing. You only want to use that in really special occasions. Just to correct you, Twilight Princess was actually originally released on the GameCube and then it came out on the Wii after that. But yeah, I agree. Twilight Princess kind of in the more recent Zelda games, uh, Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess, I, I never ended up actually completing those games. Uh, I found myself getting stuck at a certain point, and then I would kind of just lose interest in the game, especially with Skyward Sword. Oh. I think I think that game kind of really missed the mark. You know, they tried to bring the, the motion controls in, which I think is a cool idea. And uh, if you guys have ever played some of the Wii U games... Um, Nintendo Land, they had a Zelda mini game where you swing the Wii remote around and it feels really good to kill the Bacoblins or whatever. But I think they could have definitely improved upon the the actual gyro or motion controls, sorry, for the Wii. I think that would have been a really cool aspect, but they really kind of failed in that department. And Skyward Sword itself was just, I know a lot of people look at that as kind of one of the weaker Zelda games. I would argue it's probably the weakest Zelda game. Um, and I'm not even including some of the, uh, you know, the more odder choices, especially they did with the Game Boys. Um, but I mean, odd can be great sometimes. You know, the Game Boy, like I know Oracle of Seasons and Ages were both bangers. These were great yeah, Game were. Boy games. Um, I think that those are are two of the really, really good ones for the handheld for sure. But Skyward Sword, it just didn't do it for me. Um, I didn't like the look of the of link in it it was almost like a blend of twilight princess meets wind waker which i thought was really awkward um a lot of the characters they really looked like they're all made out of kind of plasticine i didn't really like the 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 aesthetic of it um the combat looked awful like especially the stuff you had to use the wii remote for it was just really stiff really bad um and it didn't really have a lot of uh interesting cool boss fights i think that you know, when you think Zelda games, you think really awesome dungeons, really awesome boss fights. And that's uh, something that I think Ocarina and Majora's Mask obviously did great. I think Wind Waker was cool in a sense as well, as far as how they did that. But it felt uh, the, the, the temples or the dungeons felt really uh, kind of a far, cry, a far cry from what they were in the, the predecessors. But I think Skyward Sword really, really dropped the ball with that one. Um, and I think it was just really disappointing in general. That's one thing I will say is, is Wind Waker, it was an amazing game and I love the combat system, but the bosses in general, they, they, it's hard to compete when you had the, the seven temples in Orcarina time and then the four temples in Majora's Mask. Like I remember the giant's mask where you fought the, the last boss in the stone temple and, and it Twin was, the, mold. I think it was the only time you could use, you know, no, you could use the giant's mask, I'm pretty sure, in all four of the temples. That giant bull, bull boss, too, in that room. That's just the scale of that that boss was so incredible to see as a kid. Just that giant bull just running around and fucking oh, sprinting after That you. actually reminds me, too. Um, You could fight the, the jungle temple, my favorite temple in the game, where he's that kind of giant Aztec warrior who would sing and dance, and then he'd strike you with the sword. You can use the giant's mask, and now you're on his level, and it was really cool to see that. You could um, use it on every temple. You only yeah. you could only use it four times in the whole game, which kind of, to me, defeated the purpose of it a little bit, but it was still cool to go back in the old temples and be able to actually fight the last boss on their level when you're just as big, you know what I mean? It was a pretty cool idea. 
I think it would have been really cool as well to be able to use the giant's mask, especially outside of clock town. But I can understand why that would be a little bit uh, hard to kind of balance around. You're this gigantic link stomping around, but um, I love that mask and I love kind of the niche purpose where you could go back uh, and, and, and fight these bosses. But I, I mean, I feel like I'm just gushing about Majora's mask at this point, but another thing I really liked about the temples in Majora's mask is the little, little fairies you could collect. If you collected all the fairies and all the temples, you could turn them in for the great fairy sword. And I think I love secret collectibles like that. Um, and they also did um, your main sword kind of chain quest where you would get the, the razor sword. And if you got the gold powder, you can turn it into the gilded sword. So yeah. I really thought they were really, uh, you know, it kind of felt like a tip of the hat, like an almost an homage to the uh, Begoran kind of sword. Time. Yeah, exactly. So I like, but although the Bagoran Swords chain quest was like pretty, uh, pretty extensive. Mm -hmm. um, but like I say, so, you know, next coming out of the gate um, after Skyward Sword, I believe, was Breath of the Wild for the Switch, if I'm not mistaken. I just want to touch really quickly on um, uh, Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword. So a lot of people had a lot of hate for those games. But I personally loved being Link and be able to swing my sword and have my shield with the nunchuck and be able to swing my sword. Like, there was just something about it. Obviously, after like two days, I had to switch to my classic controller because my arm was getting tired from swinging the sword around so much. But I think it, I think that was the thing about the Wii that kind of um, really broke the niche and broke the mold for other systems is the fact that you finally, it's like almost like VR compared to nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, you, it, you're in the game you're the one swinging link sword you're the one blocking rolling and freaking slashing and yeah i just i just remember how much physical activity i got out of the wii in general not just from obviously twilight princess and skyward sword but pretty much every wii game that there was it was just a lot of physical activities which is one thing that i have to sh shout out that for another thing right before we jump into breath of the wild even though i'd love to talk about that game is just the music and zelda oh. in general to, I'd say it's on par, if not a little bit even more, even better than some of the Mario music. But, you know, Nintendo always kills it in the music department. Some of the Zelda music is some of the most memorable music of all time. Some of the ones I can think of off the top of my head, the Gerudo Valley song, uh, the Lost Woods song, or even just the... You know, that guy in, in Majora's Mask that's going like this, that song. Just some of the music is so memorable in, uh, in the Zelda games. Even the songs on the Orc Arena, on the actual Orc Arena that you play, like the Eponia song, the Song of Time, like Sun Song. Like they're all, like they're they're really catchy. You know what I mean? And, and they who can really could forget get the Song of Storms? I think that that's oh, probably yeah. one of my favorite ones. Um, you know, the music box guy is getting his groove on <laughs> and he's, he's picking up the pace as the song kind of kicks in. Um, you know, I got to just absolutely kind of agree with Carter on that. Um, I think that the Zelda franchise encapsulates some of the most gorgeously composed music. Um, and this even goes back to some of the stuff on the SNES and uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, the, the first one. I think th th these tracks are straight up bangers. These are phenomenal tracks and they're so memorable. Um, I think that... Uh, as the series progressed, definitely uh, with the GameCube and the Wii, and then obviously the, uh, the, the current iteration that we're on with the Switch, um, the music was still pretty good, but I, I would say that it's not quite as memorable as um, the ones for the 64 or even the, uh, the earlier Nintendo systems. But again, I think that, that everyone can agree. These are some of the most beloved um, music uh, compositions in any franchise. 
I wonder if there's any, like, I haven't really looked into it recently, but if there's another Nintendo, uh, sorry, another Zelda game on the horizon, because, like, Breath I of the Wild. I believe they're Breath doing the a, Wild too. Yeah, they're doing a sequel to Breath of the Wild, which I'm really excited for. Uh, I, I am excited for it, but at the same time, the whole breakable weapons thing, it, it really, it just pains me to have, like, to have to go back and keep getting the same weapon and, like, or a weapon that's, like, two, two upgrade points higher in damage than your other weapon. And then certain boss fights or certain like big bads, you end up having to switch your weapon because you break it mid combat, and then then you realize, oh, I run out of all all six of my strongest weapons, so now I'm using this weapon that does like a quarter of the damage. It was just always very frustrating for me. It seemed. Don't get me wrong, I like grindy games. You guys know how much I love MMOs and how much I love RPGs in general. So I'm used to the grind. I'm just not used to the grind of having to go back and collect the exact same thing that I already had just so I could do the next the next boss you know it's i don't know i love breath of the wild don't get me wrong like the master sword quest and i love the whole, the whole recharge system of the master sword how you'll it'll break eventually and then you've uh, just got to wait 20 minutes or whatever and you'll get it back again and it's still one of the strongest weapons of the game but i just still the breakable weapon i hope maybe they'll do something with that obviously a lot of people don't complain about it like i do but it was just that was a big turn off for me i personally love that aspect of the game it made it feel a lot different than other Zelda games. It was it kind of felt like they were returning to their roots, kind of similar to the first Zelda game where you start off and you you kind of can go wherever you want. You're in this big world and you can kind of just go around. It felt more like a survival game in a way. And I really loved the approach they took with Breath of the Wild. And, uh, you know, for someone like you, I'm surprised because I know you love getting upgrades and equipment and armor and things like that so i would have thought that you would have loved that aspect of the game so that's a little surprising to me but i love the different armor sets you can find the different weapons there's just so much variety in all the different weapons and shields and armor that you could get in that game and it just felt so so amazing just the open world aspect where you could go and do whatever you want you could even start the game and go straight to fight ganondorf if you want yeah that's crazy where where you can literally just go have the beginning sword first three hearts and then they just go beat ganon the very beginning of the game i vividly remember even getting that game i know that uh you know my partner had such a great time with that game she was loving it um and i i think that what's really so impressive about breath of the wild compared to all of the other zelda games is just the variety in which you can approach things i've seen uh videos of people doing the most complex different uh game breaking kind of strategies of like take take on some of these uh guardians and stuff you know with the whole you can parry their laser and stuff there's also just a lot of really cool combos you can do and there's a lot of variety as far as the equipment you get um, the one thing I thought was really cool too is just like how Carter said, it's this open world environment where you could approach things at your leisure and when you want to do it. Um, they implemented a lot of really uh, new and fresh ideas that they'd never done in other uh, Zelda games, like the climbing mechanic. Um, I also really liked uh, the way they did secrets in that because it's really, really, uh, I would say, in my opinion, it's sometimes hard to execute secrets in an open world. Sometimes it just feels like an endless grind of looking up under every rock. But I think it was really cool how they did it with the the little leaf people and you'd, you'd, you'd be rewarded with their little poops. I thought that, that those were so cool. You know, you put the stones in a certain way in, in a circle and, uh, you know, you're rewarded for that kind of adventure and that sort of stuff. I personally think that uh, 
you know, open world games can somewhat get a little played out. I don't really enjoy them that much. I've always kind of had the attitude that like when games are smaller, um, you can actually get a lot more of a, of a kind of flavor and feel for that. Like, I feel like Majora's Mask and especially Ocarina of Time, especially when you're in the, uh, the, the capital cities and stuff, it's so rich and vibrant. It's just, it feels like it's humming with activity and every character has their own little, you know, their little nuance and their little, uh, quirks and stuff i really like that you know little little subtle things too like how in i believe in both games if i'm not mistaken but for sure in majora's mask how you could go upstairs in one of the hotels and the guy actually fell in the toilet and he's just a hand and he needs toilet paper um yeah i've always just thought that that was such a cool thing um just little things like that you know obviously (laughs) this game is uh, not as ambitious as cyberpunk with how great that game turned out um but you could even see the mailman like he's actually doing his route so um long before the days of cyberpunk uh promising its fan base that every npc is living his own life that mailman was doing it right too the whole time so and he wasn't glitching out doing it which was super sweet too but the thing with breath of the wild is i like the cooking mechanic i like how you could eat food and you could do more damage and you could get hearts you could eat certain food that gives you like a as long as you had your base 10 hearts you could eat food that'll give you all the 20 hearts and i thought that was pretty cool having yellow health the yellow hearts instead of red hearts and you could literally just make sure you always ate the food so then you'd always have that buff and you could literally just grind for the food so you'd literally basically like even starting out at the game you'd be like it'd be like you're almost done the game because of how many hearts you have so you don't have to worry about taking as much damage and stuff like that i thought that was cool and don't get me wrong it's it's hard for me because i love the grind fest of zelda and i love how you can get all the different weapons and how you can um like two-handers and you know like there's axes swords like and they all they all feel different when you're using them i love that aspect but I just wish there was a way that you could not have your weapon completely just disappear. You know what I mean? It would be nice if, if there was a rupee system, how you could literally take like a hundred rupees or even more and just and get that weapon back or something like that, where it's not just broken and done, throw it out of your inventory and then take, you know, six, seven hours to find another boosted weapon like that. That's, that was my biggest problem with it. Yeah, I can definitely see that for sure. But I think that there's almost a little bit of charm when they try to do different things. I always have to give Nintendo a little bit of credit for that. Um, As far as, you know, pushing the envelope of creativity, I think Legend of Zelda really encapsulates that. And it's nice to see that they're at least trying different stuff. You know what I mean? Um, So like I say, you know, the breakable weapon system was definitely a flaw. And it felt like um, it almost didn't fit the game, so to speak, because you'd be in the middle of a really complex fight and all of a sudden, uh uh-oh, this sword that I was using or this axe that I was using is now just broken. Now you have to switch. Uh Uh-oh, I don't have any backups. So now you're kind of running around like a dingling waiting for the master sword to recharge. But um, yeah, like I say, I think that uh, I can understand the appeal and I can understand why Breath of the Wild was so popular. Um, I think it was a really, really well executed game. And I'm going to, you know, and this is something that, uh, you know, I think that a lot of people can agree with for sure, but I'm just not a very big fan of open world games. I like it when a game has a lot of character with this small environment, because if you really think about it, um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, if we're just talking about scale, um, the areas that which you can explore are all pretty close together and they're not very big. Like the whole of Hyrule Field is not that big, but it felt so big at the time. Um, I, maybe that might have to do with just oversaturation within the market and all these open world games and everyone's trying to, 
you know, perfectly render these environments, but I feel like there's a lot of charm in small areas. You know, you can pack a lot of uh, character in some of these small towns and stuff like that. That's a good point. That's always the biggest flaw with open world games is there's areas where it just feels kind of empty and Breath of the Wild definitely had that issue where there's just large, vast areas that just aren't really filled with much at all. Um, so I definitely think that that issue definitely comes to fruition in a lot of open world games. I can think of uh, Skyrim, you know, games, they're trying to always may have the biggest map or whatever, but I think that might end up being detrimental to games where I feel like it's better to have a smaller map with more in it than just a big, wide, empty map of nothingness. No Man's Sky comes to mind. Well, yep. especially on its release, for sure. Um, but like I say, I mean, he's the classic green guy. We all love him. It's Link. You know, he's great. Um, and it's really nice to see that, uh, you know, he's made a couple appearances in some great games like Smash Bros. and that sort of thing, and Mario Kart, for sure. Um, but I think that one thing that we can all agree on is that the story and the just the creative kind of fantasy world that they've created is just phenomenal. I love the idea of the Zoras and the Gorons and the Deku kids and uh, just the fairy kids in general, like how they all live in the forest and the first temple in Ocarina of Time is you're, you climb into this giant great tree and he's just like, he's a dying tree. Um, I think that the, just the way they tell the story is great too. And there's no, uh, especially for the 64 ones, there's very uh, limited audio as far as like the conversation is going on. There's not a lot of like spoken dialogue. You'll obviously hear uh, Link kind of screaming around when he's swinging the sword and breaking pots, but that's really all we're getting. We're reading the text. So you kind of have to fill in the blanks as far as how they would sound and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think that each game has a very distinct feel um, I think Ocarina had a very kind of uh, adventure, like kind of this gallant event that's going on and you got to defeat evil. It felt really like a heroic game. And then you have Majora's Mask where it felt very melancholy, very dark and macabre. Like it had a lot of like really, really, um, you know, dark elements, kind of how you said with uh, when the little girl's dad's in the closet and also with the moon, it's got that look on its face. I was blown away with the moon when it's I in first the picture, saw it. Yeah, it's nuts. It's like, what the Like, heck? I absolutely love that scowl, and he's coming to crash his face into the, the town. I just think that that's so cool. Um, and then later in the, some of the games as well, you know, you have a mix of uh, Wind Waker with the, the cartoony kind of cel-shaded vibe, which I think a lot of people appreciate that too, because it was very different than what we're used to. And then Twilight, when they reeled it back into that kind of gritty, dark, uh, lots of gray tones and lots of very kind of uh, faded out color uh, contrast and that sort of thing. So I think that, you know, I would um, I would think that some people would agree when I say that the, some of the Zelda games are better than others. But I think that each one is kind of redeemable in its own way. I agree. Um, Majora's Mask, the thing that I could think about right as soon as you mentioned the moons is the four giants holding up the moon and just like stopping it from so that's the only thing that gives you the time to fight Majora you know what I mean and like I, I remember trying to fight Majora after every temple and then the the one giant's just not enough neither is two or three and it takes all four of the giants to finally give you enough time to defeat Majora and then head to the moon to fight him but obviously there's things with Breath of the Wild that I like and I, and I, I know Carter's kind of in the middle and you're not a huge fan of open world games but I really like the open world vibe and like obviously there was a little bit of bare space in Breath of the Wild 
but it was cool how you could climb around and you had a stamina bar and you couldn't at the beginning of the game you couldn't climb up everything because you'd run out and then later on you find stamina food so that you could climb to the highest peaks and then you had to decide whether you wanted to put your your points into hearts or stamina like i also thought that was cool there was a lot of things that breath of the wild did really well and I, I actually didn't know they were doing a Breath of the Wild too, so that's actually super exciting for me. I'll get to do some research on that after this podcast. But it's just nice to know that they're always do, trying different things with Zelda. Like we talked about Mario earlier, how they were always like adding new mechanics and stuff like that into it. But with Zelda, they all seem like completely different games, all in the same universe. But like 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 you said, you had the top down view, and then you had the two D side scroller, and then you had the three D obviously link. Uh, Obviously, Orcarina of Time and Majora Mask were very similar in that aspect, but you also had in Majora's Mask the transforming. Like, I love transforming into a Dooku and, like, going in the flower and shooting myself up and flying around all over the place. And then the Goron, like, holding up and being able to get spikes on your back and just cruising around and just taking enemies out. Like, that was sick. Same with the Zora, flipping around, throwing his freaking little Batarang whatever you call them fish hooks or whatever like it was fins. Super... <laughs> yeah fins yeah. his swimming was really cool too and when you were fast shock around your body i really thought that was cool too um i would say that like gameplay aside and if we're just talking about lore wise i think it's really really interesting if you, i'm not sure if either of you are familiar with this but nintendo at one point released an official timeline and you can kind of see how the games actually fit into place because majora's mask actually doesn't make a lot of sense uh, thematically with the lore because you know he's obviously going on this grand adventure but as you know in ocarina time he was sleeping uh in the sages uh realm until he was an adult so it's really cool to see um and I, and and i don't even think ganondorf is in majora's mask at all so it's just really cool to see how the 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 timelines work and which games actually came first because um, what you discover in Wind Waker is that not every link is the same. These are, uh, you know, green heroes of destiny. I know that uh, there was already a link of legend that the Wind Waker uh, link dons his uniform. So it's not the same person. Um, and I've always thought that's such a cool concept because I've always thought when I was younger, like, oh, this is Link, but in a different kind of dimension. It's like, nope, they're not all the same guy. I've always thought that was such a cool idea. I'm really curious. So, so how did that work? Obviously, you're more um, you're more familiar with it than us. So, the, when you use Majora, it's the same link, but it's just when he was. Sleeping. I, I believe canonically, uh, after the events of Ocarina Time take place, when Link returns to his kid form, then the events of Majora's Mask take place. Which, when you think about it, it doesn't really make much sense mm -hmm. because uh, he starts the game in his treehouse with like no gear or no experience, even though it's like he just came back from summoning giants and using the giant's mask and becoming fierce tidy. Uh, it kind of gets a little confusing. Um, I think the way they explained it on the uh, Nintendo timeline is Link from Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask are technically the same guy, uh, but they take place... Uh, in Majora's Mask, anyway, uh, it takes place in kind of like a tangent of time or a, a, a side thing. Um, I know a lot of people speculated that maybe in the time between being a child and becoming adult Link, he was off doing his own adventures, but they kind of put the kibosh on that. So, um, and then just there's a lot of really odd time ones too, especially with the Minish Cap and a lot of stuff like that. But it's just like if 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 you guys haven't ever seen. Uh, the the zelda nintendo timeline i think it's really cool to to check it out and kind of put the pieces together it's kind of fun 
I'd love to do that. I'm like, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Zelda. Um, I hope that they obviously was it Link's Awakening. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the one that was remastered? Which was the one that was just remastered like recently? Link's Awakening, I believe. Link's Awakening. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to get that game. Uh, I played it at a friend's house, so obviously I don't have the hard copy of it. But that that would be really interesting to play because I'm pretty sure that was one of the first few Zelda games that was ever released. So it's really cool that they went back on the Switch and like basically remastered it. Right. I like how they're starting to remaster some of these games. Like if they were to remaster Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time, I think. I think it would be amazing. I just like, especially with the technology they have now, maybe they, they not on this do, console. They did do a soft remaster with, uh, with the 3DS games. Yeah. They did a soft remaster where the graphics look like, I would say um, like, it's obviously a stylized kind of graphic because they're not pushing the boundaries of the hardware, but it looks really good and really, really smooth opposed to like the link with the super pointy uh, polygon nose and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but like I say, I mean, you know, the remasters are where it can get really really interesting i think that this one remaster in my opinion i don't i don't think it uh, really met my expectations i know that i bought that uh you know for my girlfriend's birthday and she liked the game uh but i just feel like it fell a little flat it had this kind of uh, mobile city feel like the aesthetic like it looked almost like he was made of lego his hair was this fixed kind of uh you know, Lego hair. It was a kind of an odd appearance. Um, and I think it looked really good. I think they executed it well, but it wasn't my style. It felt very, very kiddy, very childy. So it wasn't really up my aisle, but uh, I definitely can appreciate them trying to remaster that game because it is a classic and it's nice to see, you know, a classic kind of comes back. The one thing I will say, um, because I don't believe that it was the one with the purple hair, but I would love for them to come back with a remaster with the purple haired Link. I think that that's such a cool Link. He's never really had purple hair before other than that one. And uh, I just love to see how they could do something with that Link. I don't know if you guys have ever actually read, but they have they have a Zelda manga series which uh, I used to read when I was a little bit younger. And I think just those books in general were really cool. Just to see kind of Zelda and kind of almost an anime kind of manga style was really interesting. And just to see how kind of how they would expand on the stories of the game uh, and add more aspects to the games. I really loved those books growing up. And I wish I still had them, but uh, something, they got lost somewhere along the lines. But I really loved those the the zelda comics or manga series that they did yeah they did some cool things with zelda over the over the past like i i'm curious how many titles there actually are with zelda but i remember even the the four four oracle of ages and oracle of seasons like those are really well done games like um i think it was game boy advanced if i'm correct catlin Yes, and what was really cool is they're actually for the Game Boy, but if you play the cartridges on the Game Boy Advance, you would access a secret house that's like, thanks for playing this on the Advance. Here's a special ring. And I thought that that was a really cool mechanic, which I would love to see them really like build upon in a new release or even maybe in Breath of the Wild 2, where this game had hundreds of rings that you could put on and they give you different abilities and stuff. Um, I think that uh, there was such a... a, a awesome cast of your sidekicks you could have the kangaroo guy who had the boxing gloves you could ride the dinosaur over small little terrain um the dragon could swim a little bit um i think ages and seasons were phenomenal and we got to see two uh big bads that we've never seen before one of them was the the sexy witch and the other one was the giant uh iron soldier so i always thought that those games were really super well executed 
Um, the music was great. Um, and I liked that model of Link, that sprite. He kind of had that kind of uh, really streamlined to like a uh, hat and stuff. So um, like I say, I, if we're not, if we're just excluding Skyward Sword, I think that I can't think of a single bad game that they've released because Skyward Sword was an absolute dumpster fire. I can't believe that that got greenlit. And it's unfortunate that it made it to the market because other than Skyward Sword, I think they would have had an impeccable record. But, you know, much like uh, your favorite band, I'm sure they had a couple stinker albums. So uh, it was, it was uh, you know, they obviously went for it and they probably shouldn't have, but you got you to give them props. It wasn't a hit by any means, but I actually enjoyed Skyward Sword. Obviously, I, I don't hold it up to the same um, heights as, you know, Majora's Mask or uh, even Link's Awakening for that matter. But I definitely, I definitely found its place in my heart. Like, it was just nice. Like, I, I really liked the whole idea of the Wii being able to, like, swing your sword and roll away and stuff. The combat, to me, wasn't even as good as uh, Twilight Princess, actually. But it was just, it was just nice to have another... Um, another game basically for the Wii as far as Zelda goes because Zelda is one of my favorite titles personally for the Nintendo period so it is nice to see at least try it out you know like I it definitely wouldn't have replayability like I wouldn't go back and play it now but I mean at the time when it was first released I did I'd add some fun with it I don't even think I beat it I think I got done three temples but uh it was definitely I played hours into it so I mean that's what games are for right to spend time with it's a it's one obscure, game, uh, one obscure Zelda game uh, that I that I pl- enjoyed playing when I was a bit younger was the Four Swords game. That's and, a good uh, one. Yeah, I, I remember uh, they had a version of the Four Swords on the 3DS where if you had multiple 3DSs or if your buddy had a 3DS, you could uh, play four four different links all in the same world. Uh, so me and my buddies, we would get our 3DSs together and we'd play Four Swords and just run around as these different colored links. And I just have a lot of memories of playing that game. That's a That's really a good cool idea. Too. I forgot. I totally forgot. I think that uh, as far as like just some of the coolest sequences in gaming too, for me especially, that really just you know kind of just blew my mind of just how how cool i think you know the zelda games had a lot of sequences i think were just dripping in coolness i remember one of the ones off the top of my head um is when you enter the water temple and you fight dark link and you go to stab him and he's like on the he's standing on your sword like nice try buddy like you can't get me with that um i think that the whole idea of dark link it's this like shadow mirror version of yourself was so so cool at the time i i, I had never seen anything like that before Another one that comes to mind is when you actually go to the moon to engage with uh, Skull Kid. And well, I don't even know if it's Skull Kid. I think it's actually just Majora on the moon. But you go to the moon and all of a sudden it's this open field with a giant tree. And there's these like really weird kids who all are donning the boss mass. I just thought that was so visually striking and so strange that like now we're on the moon, but we're in this like massive, you know, like green field. It was just so cool. They've really... uh, they really push the boundaries when it comes to creative, uh, you know, sequences like that. And I think that, you know, th- these are, these are top shelf games. I, I don't think anyone can deny that uh, there's a reason why people absolutely love the franchise. And they love, uh, they love different phases of boss fights. I know for the majority of the Zelda games in the final boss fight, you have multiple phases, you know, in the, in Ocarina of Time, you had fighting Ganondorf where you play in volleyball and then you fight pig Ganondorf where you have to roll under his legs and attack him from behind. 
but it always seemed like they had multiple phases of boss fights even in Majora's Mask you know Majora had multiple phases the first one where he has the eyeball sticking off his head and he's running around with the skinny limbs and then he has you have the tentacle Majora mask I just love how they always implement different phases into the boss fights and even in Breath of the Wild you have that first boss fight against the kind of spider Ganon and then he turns into that massive massive boar kind of version of Ganondorf uh, I always love massive scale boss fights and I think Breath of the Wild was kind of the pinnacle of that where it's just a boss on a, such a massive scale well I think that uh, when it comes to the the real OG homie of colossal fights is uh, Shadow of the Colossus I'm not sure if you ever played those oh, games yeah. I've um, never they, played them, but I've seen a lot of videos, and they, they, I, I I love the massive scale in those types of games. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Breath of the Wild, actually, just with how the climbing mechanic was. And these are very strange games when you look at them at surface value. Like, you know, climbing these massive bosses, I mean, that was half the battle was really just trying to traverse these colossal monsters. So um, it's very strange. It doesn't feel like a normal kind of hack and slash sword game. It kind of feels like... A, on the go kind of live puzzle that you're trying to traverse. Um, but one thing I will say about, uh, you know, just the Zelda franchise in general is they had a really, really lot of uh, really cool boss fights. And like you say, a lot of the phases, I know there was a, uh, a less popular version. Uh, I believe it was for the handheld or the switch. I can't remember, but you can go to low rule and you're kind of a 2d on the wall uh, Zelda where you can kind of become like a, like a painting. And one of the boss fights, you can actually, as you're fighting him, you can become a painting on his shield and then he doesn't know where you went. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool boss fights like that. Um, and they're just so memorable, you know? And I think everyone can remember too, like uh, despite the water temple kind of being uh, kind of a, just a massive amount of contention for a lot of people. I love that uh, the fish boss that you're fighting in Majora's Mask when he's jumping over you free willy style. And I just love the, the water fights in general. Um, I think the water temple was better in my opinion with Majora's Mask just because of you could now be the Zora and traverse it in a really interesting way and go through the pipes and, and swim really different. Um, the one in Ocarina felt like you were melting a lot of ice. You're letting the levels go up. It was kind of just uh, seemed like a time sink, but you know, like I say, I think that the, the, the mechanics in these games are really fun and interesting and the boss fights are really fun and interesting. I just love the fact that the boss fights are so memorable. Like I, I remember fighting Ganon for the first time and it was just, the, it was an amazing thing. I remember not being able to figure out like what to do. I was literally stuck on him for a while. I had to have a friend come over and help me beat it. Cause I didn't know what to do when he'd shoot the ball at me and you'd have to reflect it back with your sword. I didn't know that. Right. And then you'd have to hit him with a lighter or whatever. It's just like, it's the, the memorabilia is for, for me what's so important. And I think Breath of the Wild 2, if they fe just tweak a few things, I think they could be amazing games. But it's just difficult for me because with those games, I hate the fact that the items break. So if they change the items breaking, I think I could literally wrap it completely 100%. We get that you don't like the items breaking. I know. I'm sorry. I just have to <laughs> Nintendo. Don't let the items break, please. I'm asking you. Hopefully, I they... guarantee that that aspect is going to come back in the sequel. So. Whatever that'd, guy be can cool. hold. that'd be cool if now your armor can break and now your boots <laughs> yeah. can break so i think that's your great sword breaks in one hit so you have to just kind of, kind of run one around. shout out that i will do i know this is a bit uh obscure but one shout out that i gotta give um one of the coolest vi villains of all time in this the zelda franchise is phantom ganon Absolutely. with the the portraits and he's riding through i remember i had a 
phantom ganon uh wallpaper on my desktop on my computer for the longest time and that's just going to be one of my shout outs i think that that's my favorite boss in the entire franchise i don't know about you guys but i have to bring it to ganondorf like he's og any game where it's actually human form ganon to me is thug life like that's that's as og except as for wind get. waker surprisingly i think you didn't wind... like you didn't like the chubby i, I liked i like the wind the final wind waker boss fight against i ganondorf. like how he was i love how you jump and stab him through the head it was like so weird that you know you have such a cartoony game but then such a violent ending is you just stab ganondorf in the fucking I think the, forehead i think the fight was cool but i hated his design i hated how he's kind of this portly Ganon. i love to have the ganondorf from ocarina of time where he's tall and juiced i just mm-hmm. love that ganon he's the one that we got in uh smash bros ultimate mm-hmm. um that's my favorite iteration of ganon i think you can get this i agree you can get this pig stuff out of my face. You can get this little portly Ganon out of my face. And in, in a lot of aspects, you can get him being a, uh, you know, a pig monster like, like in Twilight Princess, even though I did like his design in Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. He kind of had the weird cornrows and the crown and he had the really cool armor. Um, despite um, when he was in Brawl looking like that, that was another story. Um, although he looked cool, he moved like a 40-year-old man with the, the brisk <laughs> jog. They completely gutted him in Brawl compared to his iteration of Melee. I just love that Melee, the sound. Uh, you know, he's got such a he's such an iconic villain, and I, I think that uh, you know it really goes to show that you know the boy holding the the Triforce of Power gets it done. Yeah, I basically that's going to be it, guys, for this episode. We really appreciate all your support, and we hopefully tune in for the next episodes, guys. We got a lot on the burner, and we are excited to be able to share it with you guys. So anyway, it's Dallas, Catlin, and Carter. You guys have a great day. Peace. See ya.